to another extra special, extra spectacular counting down T minus. This is the third to last episode of mm-hmm. the Dragon Age season of Normandy FM. Wild can't, to think about. Can't believe we're already here. It's. Yeah. I mean, Ken, what the hell has 2020 been? A lot of this fucking shit. <laughs> like, I. I just, it, it really, literally, for me, one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, just set in that we have been podcasting, you and I, Kenneth Shepard, have been podcasting all of Dragon Age this whole year. That's literally all we've done this year on Normandy FM <laughs> is talk about Dragon Age. My 2020 is defined by a lot of dragon age yeah. so, so to finally feel it like come to an end mm-hmm. part of it's bittersweet but also part of it really makes me appreciate how long these games are <laughs> i don't know yeah. if that's a tack on effect from it being 2020 or not but mm. how, are, how are you feeling now that we are nearing the end uh i mean it's complicated because like i it is you know an end of an era for the show that we're approaching mm-hmm. But also, like, I'm ready to be fucking done with these games. Like, that is something that is, like, especially as we're getting so close to the end now, I'm, like, realizing, I feel like Normandy FM has had the opposite effect uh, for Dragon Age that it had for Mass Effect, where, like, I came with from Mass Effect, like, having a, a very strong appreciation for those games, even despite all the issues I got to air out, where I feel like that did not happen with Dragon Age. It happened, like, the opposite happened, so... Maybe that's not as fun. I mean, there there are some things we'll talk about in this episode, but that is maybe more of a two episodes from now thing to bring up. But that's where I'm sitting right now. Like I'm ready to like stop. I guess have something have something to complain about of less every week. Maybe. <laughs> Ken, I'm glad you said that because I have been feeling the same way for about like two episodes now, where mm. I just kind of hit a point where I was like. I think I'm liking Dragon Age less and mm-hmm. and that's weird because I I feel like I understand more about it the more that cuz that's kind of the the knock-on effect of doing this podcast is that even if these are games that you and I have played so many times over um just bringing on new people new viewpoints like interacting with fans doing the panels that we've done I mean Ken we've come a long way <laughs> since <laughs> we started this venture and like with mass effect i felt like i came out of that feeling like like i gained a new appreciation for this thing i really loved and uh you know i i I felt like i had seen all these aspects of it and and i guess the other thing is that mass effect maybe disregarding andromeda uh is like a more contained experience like it Mm -hmm. is much more sequential and compact and that's something that i've i've held as a knock against it sometimes and that's very focused in the story it tells but i mean that's also one of its strengths to be fair that's mm. it's it it right. tells a story is telling the story of shepherd whereas like i'm really starting to feel some of the dragon age wear that you've had over the last mm-hmm. let, let's say three games <laughs> yep. where uh i'm like man these things are just massive and when you play them all in the span of a year you really do start to feel like you're just kind of making little ripples in ponds instead of or like little ripples in a lake instead of like a big splash in a pond and right 
yeah it's i think that maybe was driven the most home with this week's mm-hmm. uh, mission because yeah, that, we're... yeah like I'll, I'll say now like just kind of like skipping ahead a little bit like the the characters that this and also like the very end like the the very last thing in the game involve were kind of the things that kind of awakened this like sort of understanding of dragon age in mm-hmm. me all those years ago because it really is the point where like it starts to become very apparent that dragon age doesn't really know what it's about and what it's ever leading to so yeah and and this is the week where normally i'd be like well ken it's an anthology series and they're always kind of moving along and you've got to be okay with moving between different viewpoints and stuff like that but this is really the week where i'm like you know what i'm starting to get on board with ken's point of view here because (laughs) um especially i'm going to just go ahead and say we've got four missions pulled up um Mm. the the crux of this episode is going to be what pride had wrought uh which by the way i mean we've said it before but i'm just gonna say it again the names of these missions underrated does not get talked about enough i really no, like yeah. i i know that's not like the most glamorous art that is done <laughs> in a video game but yeah. kudos to the writers uh like these are just very good mission names uh, yeah. but yeah like the the crux of of this is what pride had wrought but uh before that we're going to talk about kind of the two I almost want to call them companion missions because they're related to your advisors, but they're really about whatever uh, toady you have set up to be Corypheus's right-hand person in this conflict and kind of, almost call them Shepard, the Inquisitor learning more about who they are and what they do and kind of what makes them tick uh, in order to get a leg up on them. And then the last mission we'll be talking about is actually, I'd say, kind of an epilogue of sorts to what Pride had wrought, which is the yeah. final piece, which serves as like both an epilogue to the things that we talk about in what Pride had wrought, and also as kind of the connective tissue to, I would say, both the ending of this game and the potential sequel and what could be to come of this game. Mm. Um yeah we'll get there yeah. <laughs> imagine we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that um yeah. but to start out ken i want to start with yours because okay. uh i have a feeling we're not going to have a lot to say in regards to before the dawn which is yeah. the if you chose the mage path that means that samson uh formerly of kirkwall good old samson uh is the leader of the red templars who are fighting against you and you have to kind of do this uh mission to find stuff out about him and to be clear again for for the way i've played this i've played this game once all the way through and i've i had another save that i got up to about halfway through the game i don't think i got up to this point but that save i also like both of them i took the mage path whereas Mm -hmm. this time my third time through the game and it'll be my second time finishing it um i took the templar path for obvious podcast reasons uh i'm just gonna go ahead and say that i don't remember anything about this mission yeah, that's um <laughs> and i played it more that times than i played the one that we're talking about today right and that's something that i'm coming to realize too. It's like i i did this mission both you know or this is my third time doing it because i did it when 
I played the first time, and then when I did my second playthrough, and then the playthrough I did for the show, like, the in, like the overarching thing that's going on here, it's, like, totally escapes me. I don't remember. Like, I remember bits and pieces of, like, I, you know, I helped Cullen find uh, Red Lyrium smugglers and, like, their letters that they are, because, like, they're obviously having to smuggle Red Lyrium to the Templars, in my case, where Griffiths has the Templars, like, under his umbrella. And generally, like, it's just not, it doesn't speak to me the way that a lot of other things do in this game, that, like, as a really interesting sort of, like, view of, like, the Templars or Sanson or anything, really. Because, like, uh, when you sided with the Templars, you got, like, a more holistic sense of where that faction is at. But I think what I felt more, whatever, and what I am generally, and, like, I've, you know, I said something about this, you know, we did that uh, episode that was about the Mage and Templar uh, sides. It really feels like all the nuance of each of these, of both of these factions really gets swept up in them just being these pawns of Corypheus. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of all I really have to say on the map. The fact with Before the Dawn, because, like, it's all about, you know, trying to find uh, or Samson's Lyrium smugglers and Cullen, you know, using his, like, knowledge of Samson having worked with him at the, the Circle in Kirkwall. And ultimately, like, nothing that really came of it was super interesting to me. Yeah, it's like the whole... What feels like the whole goal of the quest is just you're trying to find the source of the red lyrium that the templars have been using which okay you know find the kryptonite to their whatever yeah. the opposite of kryptonite is i don't know the stuff that bane pumps into his veins um <laughs> I, I don't know comics that well uh and really like the crux of it from what i remember is you really you kill a lot of red templars and mm. you go to his headquarters he has like a tranquil assistant there and they they killed themselves or something because samson already knew they were coming uh and so they were poisoned and all that but then it's you just find some items and you bring them to dagna and dagna's like yep i found this thing it's gonna take care of his armor and that's it like that's all of it and that's i feel like that's kind of befitting samson I guess, but it feels weird that this character who we had multiple interactions with in Dragon Age 2, who like was actually a bit of a character because he shows up a few times and like and there was like has yeah, a whole like, thing about being a lyrium addict and all that, and now he's just this right? honestly, he's just a walking suit of armor for Corypheus. And, yeah, and he even like had like a what appeared to be like the beginning of the redemption arc mm-hmm. that like you can well I guess depending on your choices because like you can be like oh, don't, like, when the Templars are coming in and they're, like, trying to kind of uh, stop this weird conspiracy that's going on at Kirkwall, you can, like, kind of vouch for him and be like, go easy on him, and uh, well, I wish I hadn't said that, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's it's strange. And I'm going to tell you what's stranger, Ken. Uh, the one that I did for the Templar side, which is Under Her Skin uh is so much better mm-hmm. it's leaps and bounds better like and i've been hearing this for years that uh calpurnia specifically is a better foil to who um to to who corypheus is and who you are and mm-hmm. is even like a better i think an interesting examination of why a mage would support 
Corypheus and what a mage stands to gain from it and could even right. lead into interesting aspects of what will happen in the next game. Like all these things that make a lot of sense. And I guess in some regards, the thinking might be, okay, well, you're playing a member of the Chantry in this game. Like you are ostensibly building a long forgotten branch of the Chantry that is also just kind of self-governing and self-operating. Uh, but that might make you more willing to side with the Templars alongside the fact that Corypheus, well, you don't know much about what he is. He is certainly some type of magic wielder. So having anti-magic of some kind makes sense. Like that's maybe the best reason for why I could see like this was so fleshed out. But um, let me let me give you like the Cliff's notes of what happens in, in this. Um, he talked to Liliana and Leliana is is kind of like oh we need to we need to discover some things we need to look into some stuff about Calpurnia we got a message from Vicinius who is this dude that's going to help us out um, when we get there uh, a party has ransacked the the Venatori have ransacked the place and he's dead Vicinius is dead and what we find are a bunch of fragments of a memory crystal that when we shove them back together, we realize that it can play memories of what has happened there. Like it's very video audio loggy in a way that's actually pretty cool. It's something that mm. I was not expecting. Um, like this, hey, this crystal for whatever reason can play memories or something. Um, and so then we go down, we talk to Dagna. And by the way, Dagna, I think we talked about this back when we first got to Skyhold. Um, she's a returning character from Dragon Age Origins. Mm. Um, yep. She, it feels like, was supposed to play an even larger role than what she plays here because she factors into the epilogue. She factor well, I mean, she factors into yep. the epilogue of Dragon Age Origins too, but um, she factors into the epilogues of certain characters and she just feels like this undercurrent character that is secretly having a much larger role on what's happening. Um, she is mm. the dwarf who wanted to study magic, um, even though dwarfs famously cannot use magic. Um, she's just fascinated by like shaping and stuff like that. Uh, and she went to go study it and uh, has become an incredibly good artificer, arcanist because of it, not artificer, arcanist. Um, Dagna helps us out by basically being like, look, I've got an idea. If we split this thing in half, it might be able to send and receive in some way. And we could use that if we wanted to, to spy on Calpurnia. And you, you get this like kind of interesting line of discussion where you're like, okay, well, if we can sneak into Calpurnia's place, why are we just trying to plant a bug on her essentially you know plant a high fantasy mm -hmm. bug on her why don't we just kill her and they're like well look you inquisitor are going to make a splash if you run into a place whereas like one agent dropping a crystal in somebody's pocket is not going to uh and also like having information like we don't necessarily need to get rid of calpurnia yet we need to deal with what Cal what what Corypheus is and if calpurnia can provide us with information in some way that can help with dealing with that, then that's all the better. Um, which is a really cool idea that they begin to flesh out later in the game. But 
we plant it and we learn some things about Calpurnia. Basically, find out that she's going to be the vessel. Um, that's like the big thing is they are the vessel. Mm. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I keep getting distracted because I have the wiki up to to keep my facts straight, and there's a phasmophobia video playing in the bottom right, and it's creeping me the hell out. So oh, I've got <laughs> I've got Spider Man Miles Morales ads yeah. all over mine. Yeah, no, it's it's phasmophobia for me, so I'm gonna close that real quick. <laughs> um, and and once we've planted the bug, we kind of listen in, and, and not only do we learn about the vessel, we kind of get this implication that Calpurnia does not fully trust Corypheus. Um, mm-hmm. We also learn a bit of her backstory, which is interesting. She was a slave into Venter, like she was a mm-hmm. she's a mage, but again, to Venter is down with like selling people as slaves and and Mm. owning slaves and uh we find out that she was a master or or she had a master and was freed by corypheus and Mm. kind of became devoted and believes that corypheus is like the will save tevinter basically will make tevinter right and will be sort of a um a revolutionary in tevinter um we we head out to the shrine of dumont which is uh this basically it's like corypheus's home base almost like it's one of his bases and we can find some memory crystals that um they didn't really give me a lot of information they're just kind of like corypheus talking about various things that aren't really critically important but we do uh battle our way through some demons and find magister Erasthenes, who was the master of Calpurnia, um, Corypheus has kidnapped him and has been practicing a magical barrier on him with the goal of once Calpurnia becomes the vessel, uh, Corypheus will bind Calpurnia to him and basically make her a slave. And so we're like, oh, hey, we can use this. Like, this is important in some way. Uh, and then you also have an option whether you can kill him or let him live. Um, I, I killed him because I, I was a little bummed that the choice wasn't just like, I want to murder this dude because he's a slave-owning piece of shit. <laughs> um, mm. the, the options were more like, oh, well, we can put him out of his misery or we can keep him alive so we can squeeze him for more information later. Um, so I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to take the option lets me kill him. Um <laughs> We, we go back to Leliana and she is kind of mad um, she's she's like why didn't you uh, why didn't you let him live why didn't you we could have squeezed more information out of him um, but you don't nothing actually changes <laughs> uh, it, there's no actual point uh, but all of that is like I think a really interesting build up to what what pride had brought because now I'm going into it and I'm like, okay, I've got this villain that really we have not seen a lot of our respective, you know, second in commands up to this point. Yeah. And so these missions serve as kind of our introductions to them, the, the place where they get fleshed out, make them a little bit more of a character that has a compelling story and something that I want to fight against, something that I want to deal with. And I got that with Calpurnia. I was like, okay, this is a complex character. She has motivations mm. that are her own. She has this interesting thread. Maybe there 
is a way I can reach her. Maybe she doesn't realize that she's not fighting or, or, or that her fight will, she realizes that she's evil, but, or at least she's opposed to my character. Uh, but she thinks that the ends will justify the means. And I think mm-hmm. there's a way I can reach her and let her know that they won't. And she also won't get the ends that she wants either. Um, so yeah, it's, that's all good. And then Samson is just Samson. It's just, he's a, just he's a, a dude. meathead. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> he's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about him. He's just, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't come into what pride of rot with any real, like tangible, like feelings about him one way or another, beyond the fact that he was like, you know, a person in front of me and getting to where I needed to be. Um, and he was a Templar, so fuck him. Yeah, yeah. Like, he just... It's it's disappointing that... Right. The, the villain that you end up with can be so important here. And I get it now. I get why every time people talk about this game, they're like, the reason to take the Templar side is because Calpurnia is a more interesting character. She is. She genu- um, yeah. genuinely is. And in a way that as we'll get to once we're playing the actual quest like i think she could be a larger character in the canon too and i don't think samson ever stands a chance of that i mean like i don't think he has a resolution that could allow him to be but right it's um i mean not that's ever stopped dragon age before yeah but it's uh it's it's kind of a bummer that like one person is like find out more about their life story why they would back somebody like like the idea of even just exploring why would somebody back Corypheus? Like, I don't think up to this point we've had good answers for that outside of right. just greed or, or right. vanity or pride. And like yeah. those, you know, this, those are motivations, but they're not good motivations and they're not deep motivations. Like, you know, they're the same things that motivate Calpurnia, but Calpurnia has reason behind what she's doing. And I just don't yeah. feel like Samson has that. Samson's just like, I want that red lyrium. Give me that red lyrium. Basically, yeah. I want to wear the red lyrium. I want to be red lyrium Iron Man. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, so anyways, what Pride had wrought is... Well, do, well, do you want to get into that? We got something else we want to talk about first? Or? I would say we, if we should... Before we get into like the actual meat of that mission, we probably need to talk about Morgan at, like, yeah, I, as I she arrives start, in Skyhold. I was going to start with Morgan. Okay. Um, Morgan. Morgan. She's, she's in Skyhold. Um, God, that's right. We didn't talk about her at the end of Wicked Eyes and Wicked Hearts. Yeah, I mean, I figured um, this would be the best part to do it anyway. So, so I, I think the the two big standouts for me is, like, obviously, Morgan's back. That's awesome. Um, I think they do a good job of just making it feel like she has advanced as a character. Mm-hmm. In, in, for you sure, know, for sure. In, not to say, like, that we as a character have been absent from her story but more like we the player have not seen mm-hmm. her in a while right um and so it's got, in, it's in got that a, space yeah yeah i mean it's got like a similar feel to the hot conversation where you're just like yes. you have not seen this yeah. person and a significant amount of time has passed so kind of like here's your chance to catch up but um i mean the last time we saw morgan she was running through the alluvian for mm-hmm. whatever reason at the end of witch hunt uh yeah and now she has reappeared in Wicked Eyes, Wicked Hearts. And as we learn, once we get to Skyhold, uh, she has a son. Uh, that, whatever yeah. means, 
Uh, and that scene, to this day, like gives me chills just because like you go like you have to talk to Morgan first, but then it's it switches to the scene and this random kid that you've never that you've ever seen mm-hmm. before just walks up to you and like it, it'll depend on what how he came to be because like it can be through the ritual that we did in Origins or it can be just through like a general romance with uh with her in Origins even if the uh even if the ritual itself wasn't done. And so, like, he'll kind of have different personalities depending on basically how he came to be. Um, and so, like, since... Uh, so, hold on. Mm. One real quick question that you might yeah. be able to answer. Because um, I've every time I've played Dragon Age Origins, I've romanced Morgan and I've done the ritual. So I've had the same mm. thing there. What is the story with Kieran if you did not romance her and did not do the ritual. Uh, he's not there. He's just not there? Yeah. Like, there's just no Kieran? Nope. What? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. But you you didn't do the ritual, right? Alistair did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, you can have, you... like, one of three fathers, but... Hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. Logan can also be a father. Um, yeah. Logan the Warden or Alistair. Wait. Hmm. For some reason, I thought that that you had not done the ritual, and or, or that no. you said you didn't want it. Is there is there a way to not do the ritual like at all? I mean, yeah. And then Morgan just leaves. I feel like I feel like I completely blanked this out. And so, hmm. What? How does okay. the end of all this play out then? <laughs> I that I'm not sure off offhand. Like how? I, mean, I wonder. I'm betting you probably just get the thing that happens. Uh, here I can pull this up while we were talking. But talk to me a little bit about your Kieran, and then maybe how that differs from how Kieran was in my playthrough, where this is the the warden's kid. Yeah, I mean, well, the first thing that happens, like he comes up to me and he's like. Oh, mother to- never told me that like the Inquisitor was a mage and like had you know or he he made it more poetically than that, but like has magic or whatever. Um, and then I'm just kind of like, yeah, dude, look at me, I can that's me, that's me, that's what I'm that's what I'm here to do. And um, it's an it's just like this it's like without context, it's just this really strange moment of just like there are kids in Skyhold that I've just not been paying attention to. Like I guess I didn't know who this kid was, but then like Morgan like walks up and then it like immediately like clicks in my head like. This is the fucking kid. This mm-hmm. is the one, and like he, like when he is from the uh, the ritual, he is kind of uh, like spacey, like he kind spacey. of spacey, yes, yeah, yeah, and um, like clearly got he's not like all like always kind of like paying attention to what's in front of him. He's just kind of like he's just vibing, like because he's like on a whole another fucking plane. But then that that's the moment, like all, and you know, it's one of those weird like disconnect moments where like your character is like totally chill about it and then like you're on the other side of the controller like holy shit that is like that is a moment because that is you know a i mean by this point it would have been like five years since that thread had become a thing and so i know that like sort of the the nature of that deci- the, the ritual decision leaves like a lot of permutations that i never i guess i never at that point expected to see actively not re- resolved, not not resolved per se, but more just like represented in any meaningful way. Um, and I think there are some things that we'll get to later in this episode where I don't know that 
it went all the way with this but like that moment still like of just like realizing who this kid was it's still like one of like the highlights of this game for me just like i think they do a really good job of almost like winking at the player without making it overt and like in the actual way that it's talked about because like you can talk to morgan about him later and be like oh who is his father and i think depending like you know depending on the circumstances should be like he's not involved and you know referencing uh referencing like I, I guess that that's the scenario where if you weren't in a romance but the which role happened um she's just like oh he's not involved i've uh raised him by myself for all these years so i guess by this point he's probably like 10 or 11 or so yeah all right yeah i guess that's that seems right yeah um so i did look it up just real quick um if you have not done the ritual there's this weird thing that happens and and it all depends on whether you have we'll talk about it after i talk about my stuff because it's just kind of interesting um so having done the ritual and having the warden romance morgan and having the warden and morgan run off together in uh in witch hunts man um you know, for full transparency, uh, the first time I played this game, obviously I had romanced Morgan in my Dragon Age Origins playthrough, but had not done, I don't think I had done Witch Hunt yet. And man, <laughs> it's when you do Witch Hunt, I don't know if it's specifically because of this or, or maybe... I'm just misremembering the way it was the first time around, but there's this really, she goes on telling this long story about how the Inquisitor and Morgan met and how they bonded and how they were together the for warden. a time. And now they're, oh, sorry, what? Sorry. Yeah. yeah you, the, you mean, yeah. <laughs> the, the warden and Morgan met and how they were together for a while and how the warden even helped raise Kieran for a while and how the warden was, better at certain things with raising kieran than the morgan was and now they 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 give you kind of the the whole thing about oh you know the warden's off you know doing whatever and you can even ask her you can be like hey can i reach out can i contact the warden to try and get in touch with them and morgan's like look they're they're working on i i mean i think the official canon reason is that they are the warden is looking for a cure to the uh Mm the uh the calling um that's you know obviously leads the gray wardens to their deaths um eventually and uh you you can have a war table operation where you reach out and talk to the the warden and and they basically Mm -hmm. respond like look you've got this handled this is your fight not mine um very foreign concept in in dragon age i know (laughs) um yeah just like just like a quick note on that specific uh war table thing that is one of the only things that i like about being a person who romances severin in origins is that that letter implies that they are the only like pairing of that game that they're they're still together and doing shit together Hmm. uh because everyone else appears in inquisition other than severin so they're you know busy but um, you know that's a, that's a nice sort of like bow on that character that I'd never expect to see again. So. <laughs> um, 
but yeah like it's it's really wild that i think some of the highest points of inquisition come during this part at the same time that i think some of its most frustrating aspects surface because i think morgan specifically throughout this entire section of the game is just like this is about her <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is yeah. some shining morgan content where like we are just getting the creme de la creme of who this character is and yeah and and like what makes her tick how she has grown what compels her where her weaknesses are like her relationship with various characters it's just all really freaking good and yeah. it's it's so interesting um i think natalie brought this up when we did our dragon age character ranking that morgan as a mother is such an interesting aspect to her character and it adds so much to her i mean it's you you really have to struggle to find uh mother characters in games to start yeah. and frequently they don't play the role of mother in the way that you'd expect like you look at god of war 2018 and and then you have uh like overwatch where anna is the mother of Farah, but mm that feels like it's just a piece of interesting lore and then also they released anna with a skin that makes her the same age as her daughter Mm. because gamers (laughs) Mm. i think Um, yeah even probably the most recent like thing that broached on like a i don't even want to necessarily a positive uh representation of a mother in a game last of us part two where both of the main characters of that game took on mother roles to like one to one in a more active way than the, uh mm-hmm. the other but um that is still a game that is kind of like reckoning with being a dad game and like kind of like putting itself right. in a position to not be later but yeah you know it takes it's got to have like i guess that transitional period that is that game so i i'd also say um one that i have not played but that uh i've read good things about is amnesia rebirth um mm-hmm. apparently has some very interesting stuff to do with that so um that's all i think that's all just it it's an interesting aspect and for this character especially and what we're going to get into i mean even just leading into this her own relationship with her mother um is is fraught um her and flemeth do not exactly get along very well (laughs) and um i think in our cases both of our cases we broke the um the line of succession as it was um and so that adds an interesting wrinkle to all this um we'll talk about what happens with if if kirin does not exist uh later on once we get to the actual uh the mission called the final piece because we have to get into what pride had wrought which is morgan tells us uh first she shows us the alluvian that that she Mm -hmm. has brought on regardless of whether we have been through witch hunt or not she's like hey i brought this alluvian with me this is what we've got and I think this is what Corypheus is looking for too. She shows you the crossroads, which is this kind of graveyard of Alluvians and connects it together that the Alluvians are at least from the outset an interconnected network of portals that you can use to travel like vast distances, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting enough. And we'll learn kind of even more what they can do later on, but even that alone is interesting and then morgan also also comments on 
the Luvians just being like a source of magical power as well. They are imbued with a lot of magical power. So um, yeah. she believes that is what Corypheus wants, that he is looking for an Alluvian of his own. Um, we got to stop that. So we got to head to the Arbor Wilds. And, well, as we start out, this is kind of, it's always cool to see the Inquisition in full force to, like, remember that we are an army, (laughs) that we have forces. And as we're fighting through these blockades, and we also get, like, a side thing here where Josephine is talking with whoever uh, took power in Wicked Eyes and Wicked Hearts. So for both of us, I believe that was Celine. Mm -hmm. Um which it's not they don't really say anything they're just like oh inquisitor nice to see you uh um we fight through just waves and waves of mm. uh uh red templars it's red templars no matter what which is kind of weird because was... what what yeah i i fought red templars too the... mm. yeah it's this fucking game this fucking series god the, damn it the way they like phrase it and i mean they did this in i mean to be fair like i fought red templars anyways because i fought templars in the templar mission and i think the way they phrase it is just like oh yeah there was still a sect of templars that were sided with uh Corypheus. like not all of them wanted to come over to the inquisition um Great. Perfect. you know um the just uh, dragon age things because you also you also fight gray wardens here no matter what choice you made it's like oh there's still some gray wardens under Corypheus's control um because yeah. that also needs to play into a thing that we're about to learn but uh mm. we we fight our way all the way through the arbor wilds through all these different yeah. camps real um, quick what's uh, up just want to point out this section sucked i got lost several times yeah yeah, not great <sighs> pathing, not great wayfinding. I tried to jump off a waterfall because it made me feel like I could, yep. and I just yep. died. It, and it looked like it was where like the composition of the area seemed to be leading, and there were like, you know, and that's something that we've been able to do in like the actual open world sections of this game, like to kind of like jump wherever and. I don't know. Yeah, but for the for some reason, and this is a waterfall that you end up being able to walk to the base of anyways. But if you try to jump off it, it's just like. Ah, uh, fall into bottom pit mm. and, and respawn at the top with less health. Like that's it's a really strange moment. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, at this point, like I'm kind of breezing through combat because I have most of my powers at this point. Yeah. So like, pretty much every fight, even against enemies that are at my level or higher, I just cloak uh, and then mm. do my. I forget what it's called, but basically I throw a knife and when it hits an enemy, like six illusions of myself come out and attack it and I have the passive that's like every time you hit an enemy while coming out of cloak, it crits and that applies mm. all six times on this. Oh, ability. word. Yeah. So, and and then if I get a kill, it resets my stealth. <laughs> so, um, I'm just constantly <laughs> like stealth, throw dagger, stealth. Mm then do some other moves and then once the the attack comes back up a stealth throw dagger and just keep keep moving i'm kind of a you know storm of blades at this point yeah which feels good i'm not gonna lie like it finally feels good to play a rogue in this game or or double dagger rogue i should say but yeah i have um mainly specced into ice so i do a lot of crowd control and like brutal ice is so good yeah, and so, and I also, like, I'm not an enchanter, so, like, I have that sword that kind of, like, it has a 
wide swing with it. So generally what I do is I, I crowd control a lot of enemies into one spot and mm-hmm. freeze them and then just have at it. So I'm basically Elsa. Yeah, I um because I'm not a mage this time when I when I played mage the first time around I I spec myself into lightning, I think it was. Mm. Um, this time around, I had each mage specialize into their own element. So Dorian was fire. Um, mm. Solus was, I think Solus was my electric mage. And Vivienne is my ice mage. Uh, mm. And Vivienne just wrecks as an ice mage. Like, Night Enchanter yep. plus ice magic is mm-hmm. just brutal. Like, yep. good lord. That's <laughs> um, how we do it's incredible i'm just like this is this is the class this is it um so we we continue on forward and we finally get inside the uh the the place the waterfall yeah i mean i I knew i I was gonna get to the point where we were like oh it's the temple of mythal um (laughs) yeah so we we go inside and Corypheus and their lieutenant is there fighting some elves, which is interesting. Um, mm. There are some elves in here that are not with the Inquisition that are fighting Corypheus's forces, and Corypheus like tries to just ha ha I'm a god walk through this trap that they have set up and supposedly dies. Just get like he gets evaporated by this mm. trap. Uh, and the elves all kind of run away and the lieutenant follows after them as we are chasing we we realize that a nearby gray warden has started to kind of body horror morph a little bit and he turns into corypheus uh so we're like that's not good and then we hear the red lyrium dragon roaring in the distance and we're like that's double not good so Mm. We do this whole run across the bridge, shut the door really fast, uh, get away. And that's when we're like, oh, so Corypheus kind of has darkspawn powers? Like, mm. there's. Or the Archdemon, kind of how they operate. Yeah, like, so they make an interesting point, or Morgan does at this point, where, where she's like, it's, it's curious then that the Grey Wardens had him locked up knowing that he could do this and and she's kind of like i wonder if they locked him up because they knew he could but knew not why and it's it's just this little it's a little pin it's a little pin Mm. it's like hey uh if we want to kill corypheus he can like resurrect himself given the right circumstances so we need to think about how we kill him for good right and it is like a nice callback to legacy because that is yes. the point where if it's maybe not overtly obvious in the moment that that is what happened with mm-hmm. uh Lorias or whoever else might have been there um right now we know and like now that we just that has been established as a thing that you know continuity what a concept in dragon age mm-hmm. and that's also we get an answer to this eventually right yeah. At, at some point okay i was trying yeah. to remember because i was like we didn't get one by the end of this section we played and i was like we're not leaving that hanging are we <laughs> um no. so you specifically asked me to bring solace along on mm-hmm. this quest i it was one of the things like in retrospect i probably should have done that too but i also have like two mages already on my party me and dorian so i'm like ah but so i will just one of the things, like he should have been there 
I'll just go ahead and tell you that there are some interesting dialogues. Like, he definitely is an interesting character to have here. More, If only because the other characters just kind of do their talking heads thing, and that's about it, whereas Solus actually yeah, I mean, has stuff did going you have, on. Did you have Dorian with you here? Did not have Dorian with I had okay. Vivienne, Solus, and Cassandra. Okay, then I guess we both have something to add, because like, Dorian is also a very... Uh, it, I mean, it, in terms of like actual balancing of your party, that's not great. But like, Dorian is also like a not e- maybe equally as valuable character to have here as Solus, given some of the uh, reveals later. So I can speak to that when we get there. Yeah, I wonder actually if I had brought him along, if he would have had things to say about the Tinventer stuff with Calpurnia. Yeah. Um, oh, not even just that, but well, we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get there. I was thinking out loud. So. If, so it, it's important to note here there's there's little stuff that we can find too there's a statue of Fen Harel who as we know yeah. is the Dreadwolf that it kind of adds a different vibe because if you didn't have Solus along for all this Morgan is just kind of talking about all this ancient knowledge and stuff like that mm. and Solus challenges her on a lot of it She's yeah. ba- like he's basically like you're just saying things that you have heard and you're talking like you know things but you don't like you just have ideas of what you've heard right and that's something that i kind of was feeling when we were here like there was like almost like uncomfortable way of talking about like talking to morgan about things because like it felt weird to me like even like knowing that solace was like sitting back at skyhold waiting to hear a human Mm -hmm. talking about elven culture in the way that she does like where she's like it's almost like Korra vibes from Mass Effect Andromeda, like, talking about, like, this culture <laughs> that she doesn't exist in, like, as if she is this expert. And when I know, like, the expert is, I, I maybe if I had brought him along, I would have gotten a different, uh, like, you know, different explanation to things. But um, I don't know if he can show that particular hand at this point, so I don't know how he, this conversation he does. Went. He does a little bit, uh, just kind of being like, you, you speak of things you do not fully understand like that's right he it, one specific point he makes is that uh it is the idea of like she talks a lot about Nethal because this is the temple of Nethal, and as we get exposed to a lot during this mission uh Mythal is is one of the elven gods uh like the i guess you'd say like progenitors of the elven race who uh dalish elves in particular worship and uh being an elf character too there are really interesting conversation lines you can take where uh morgan's like this is curious why would a statue of fen harrell be here people thought right. that fen harrell was the one who banished mythal and and the rest of the gods and solace will be like that's not the whole story you don't know the whole history behind all of it mythal right. was betrayed and that sets something up but you can also then have a special yeah. response as an elf character to be like you know dalish actually put statues of fen harrell outside their camps to ward off spirits and like we it it's not like we're putting up this blasphemous it's not like if you put i don't know an, an image of baphomet inside a church like it's yeah i think she i think she even yeah. says something along the lines of like uh, having a statue of Fenrell in like a Dalish temple is like the equivalent of having like a naked Andraste uh, statue in the middle of the chantry or something like that. Like yeah, and it 
it's it's very curious and so i am going to also say that i think the way this all ultimately culminates with morgan's story if you make certain choices ends up being rewarding and makes this feel better i guess than cora's situation but we will get there um Mm. Uh, so as we proceed through the temple, um, you know, we, we look around and we find a lot of stuff. There's there's more conversations just between Solus and Morgan, just kind of about like, oh, this is a place. What do you know about it? And stuff like that. Solus is reticent to talk about things. Um, he's very cagey. And mm-hmm. um, Morgan is just kind of like talking out her ass a little bit. No. <laughs> um but we eventually stumble upon the lieutenant of our choice uh and they have blown a hole in the freaking ground <laughs> to jump through and get to the 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 thing that they're chasing which we learn is the well of sorrows um mm. and we've we've heard that name a couple times up to this point from what we understand the well of sorrows will fill the vessel so it's whoever our chosen lieutenant is and we're at, at this point morgan takes us aside as like look you know they everyone gives her kind of a gotcha moment when you realize that corypheus is not there for the alluvian he's there for the mm-hmm. well of sorrows and they're like oh morgan got it wrong haha morgan doesn't know everything and stuff like yeah. that but she pulls you aside as like look the well of sorrows clearly there's something going on here we need to get there we need to get it, and it could be a weapon for you against Corypheus. If he wants it, clearly it does something that would right. be desirable, so we should get it too. Uh, which I guess establishes one of the larger conflicts of this mission, which is not just trying to get the well, get to the well before Corypheus, but that some people, like Morrigan, want the well, and others, like let's say Solus, kind of want to leave it undisturbed and leave Mm -hmm. it as is um so we have a choice here we can either hop in the hole and chase after them or we can do it properly and complete the pilgrimage that we need to make to the wall of sorrows uh in order to honor the gods and morgan actually suggests that we do it this way because we might upset the balance of something which solace is like mm. hey look a good idea <laughs> you've mm-hmm. you've made a good choice morgan whereas vivian is like we need to hop in that hole <laughs> yeah. um i don't know how your characters responded to it uh, yeah i i had um i thought so i had i had brought dorian varick and cassandra with me and cassandra was the one that was like an army is dying for us right now we need to take the expedited path um Whereas Dorian and Varric didn't really say much. So it was kind of like Morgan and Cassandra being double angel on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ultimately went with continuing, like, uh, doing the rituals mm-hmm. per Morgan's suggestion just because that seemed appropriate. Well, like, she also makes the point that, like, they are taking this path. They literally blew a hole in the ground open to take this path. If that door had been open if they were able to open that door don't you think they would have taken that path that tells us that if that is an option it might be a faster one than Mm. blowing a hole in the ground so why don't we try it right um it was it was a logic that i could follow at least right um 
So we both did the puzzles. Uh, mm-hmm. Ken, I'm just going to ask you straight up, did you use a guide? Uh, I did for the, the last one. The lever the other one? Two, yeah. Yeah, the lever one is... I had to look it up. The other two I mostly remembered from muscle memory, and when I looked them up, I was like, yeah, that's... Yeah, I remember how to do these. Yeah. Like, one of them is very, very easy. You just run in a straight line, pretty much. Uh, and then another one has, like, some mild stuff about just making sure you're... You know, it's for those at home... You, you have these tile puzzles where you have to walk over every tile without doubling back over one. Uh, and they get creative with it. You know, the first one is very much just create a straight line and don't, you know, walk over the same tile twice. Another one, you have to kind of use the environment and transfer between different areas and stuff like that. But then the one that I think is the trickiest one is involves a lever and a gate. And the thing you have to figure out is basically that you need to not start it from where you think you're supposed to start it, but you need to start it from like the middle of the puzzle and then work your way around, uh, which is very clever and and very interesting. But yeah, I was like, I'm looking this one up. I don't, I don't remember this exact one. (laughs) We were also like, we were supposed to record this yesterday when I played. And I was like, I'm pressed for time. I gotta go. I gotta do what I gotta do. And then we ended up recording today anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the part where I was like, oh, I'm glad we're not recording tonight. <laughs> so uh, once we get through that area, I mean, so the, the benefit there is that if we go with skipping the rituals, we have to fight through all these elven characters, uh, these as we soon learn, sentinels. Uh, whereas if we do the rituals, we skip ahead a little bit in terms of where we can proceed in in the level. But also we, when we meet with the sentinel, uh, Abelos, who's kind of leader of this faction, we have a little bit of rapport with him. So he appears, he's like, I'm Abelos. Uh, I'm a sentinel of the temple like we sleep here we have been sleeping for ages we only awake to defend the temple from invaders uh it's it's actually really sad because he's like um you know it's there are he's he has a line that's like our numbers dwindle throughout the years but we maintain our defense or whatever it's like very sad um and we have a choice to well so if we did not do the ritual we don't have a choice he's just like get out i'm going to kill you and we have to fight him whereas if we did the rituals we have earned his respect and we have the choice to either ally with him or not ally with him right so before Uh, we actually get into the decision there there are some investigative options and specific one that i was bringing up is that you could talk about like uh he mentioned something that he basically gives like an abridged version of the actual history of the elves and it is basically that there was Interstormal between like different factions, and so mm-hmm. the reasons that the elves kind of like fell from their their like their highest status in the world of Dragon Age was well, because they did it to themselves. But the reason it's interesting to have Dorian here is because Taventer legend has always been that Taventer brought down the elves. Mm. So Dorian is like gobsmacked at this because he's like, oh, the entire like crowning achieve quote unquote crowning achievement of my homeland was a fake. Like we we were basically vultures to this to these people that had already destroyed themselves. And so that'll come into something that we'll talk about when we get back to Skyhold, but that is 
sort of like the insight that Dorian brings in to this quest that you maybe miss out on if you don't have him with you. Oh, okay. I was wondering what that was. I think I missed that dialogue because I was an elven character and I took like an elven dialogue path and that jumped me ahead in the the story mm-hmm. a little bit. But um, yeah, I can basically be like, oh, you know, you've been here for forever. You remember the elven empires and stuff like that. And he, yeah. he has a very angry line that he's like, you run in here, you compose yourself, you comport yourselves like a Shemlin, which is obviously like not an elf. And right. the he's like, you can be like, why don't you live outside with the rest of us? Uh, and he's like, you shades, I would not, I would not deign to live among you as you are, even in the way we are now. Um, very proud, very proud. Yeah. Um, so I chose to. So initially, I didn't know what the split was here because for some reason I thought that you could like lose Morrigan for this part entirely if you chose to ally with them and that's not how it works so like i did that i get, i got about halfway through fighting the sentinels and i was like oh wait you I, the last time i did this i'm pretty sure i allied with the sentinels so that didn't affect my status with morgan in any yep. ways so i reloaded and just allied with them because a that feels like the right thing for my inquisitor to do um it's also right. really sad if you choose like if you gain their respect and then choose not to ally with them because you're just like oh man they've lived forever and we just murdered them like they woke yeah. up from centuries of sleep and we stabbed them to death <laughs> and right. uh Solus is like yeah yeah maybe you should have allied with them if you're gonna feel bad about it now <laughs> like, right um and so i was like fine Solus, i'll reload the video game <laughs> and pick the right <laughs> choice this time um but yeah, that's that seems like if you do the rituals, if you go out of your way, that's really the only sensible thing to do, unless you just mean, unless you just yeah. want to. Yeah, kill I, I, I'm not really sure what like the sort of justification is because like they're offering to help you get to the thing that you are trying to get to, and then like why why would you betray that? Like why do you have to? I guess if I you know. wanted, I mean, the one of the options is like I don't trust you, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But the other option is like oh i might want to use the well for myself and he's like well that basically makes you corypheus so we're not gonna let you do that either and Mm -hmm. yeah that's i think that's where that comes from but i guess uh, yeah i was just like whatever i won't team with the elves because you end up in this cool segment where this really 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 slow elf mage mm-hmm. is guiding you through the tomb yeah. <laughs> and i'm just kind of standing there like okay let's hurry up let's go yeah. um but she does all this cool stuff opening fancy doors around the battles and all that so you you get this cool segment of running through the palace through alternate hallways as you're watching the battle rage outside yeah. so it's cool um we eventually get to the well of sorrows the actual well of sorrows and this is where we confront our lieutenant of choice ken let's uh let's talk about what you had happen here because as i understand it is very straightforward (laughs) yeah i mean it's just samson tells us that he's supposed to be the vessel for the for the well and we're just like we're not about that. So you fight. It's a fairly standard fight. Um, 
And uh, then mm. I believe you have the um the thing with his armor or whatever. Oh right, with the uh, the uh, yeah. yeah yeah the stuff that you get from the the Cullen quest. Um, ultimately, the, the the fight happens, and what you do is you I I guess I don't think this happens with Calpurnia, but like you can take Samson back to Skyhold for judgment. Uh, I think if you fight Calpurnia, you get to take her back to Skyhold for judgment. Uh, oh, I see. Okay, I, yes, I gotcha. There's a, there's a, another way. All right, cool. Oh, you don't know? Do you not know anything about this? No, I've never, I've never seen oh, any of California stuff. This is exciting. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. If 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 you choose, if you choose to, you can take Calpurnia back to Skyhold for judgment. Um. Okay. So so that's that's about it. You just kind of fight Samson, and and you can use the armor weakness to make him weak in battle, and that's about it. Mm, pretty much. Um. With Calpurnia. You, you kind of do this standoff and and she's this is like really the first conversation that you've had and she like points that oh, out hold oh on. sorry i did yeah. just i did just remember one other thing yes from samson uh-huh you get his sword which is actually actually meredith's sword from dragon age 2 oh that's cool yeah and then you can Certainty. i mean i can use it yeah so, yeah huh that's neat i like weird that. shit yeah. um that's a cool like little bit of continuity if only they yeah. had remembered in every other part of this game that he existed in Dragon Age 2 as mm. well. <laughs> um, so with Calpurnia, like this is the first time you've really talked to this character. She actually makes an interesting remark where she's just like, hey, you know, you're surprisingly civilized for what I thought you would be and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but she's like, I still got to kill you because I'm going to be the vessel. And, and once on the vessel, Corypheus will rise again and bring all of Tevinter back to the the power it once was and all that. Um, and this is the point where you can be like, you're getting played, Calpurnia. Like, you think that Corypheus is going to give you what you want, and he, he will enslave you. He will put you back into slavery, and you will be nothing but, like, a literal vessel for him. You, you will just be a battery, essentially. Hmm. And she has a moment of doubt. And she's like, what do you mean? Well, where I come from, you have to have proof if, if you're going to make claims like that. And and this is the part that I was like, "Where? when did we do this? When did we get this figured out? Uh, you pull a scroll out and you're, you basically chuck it out at Calpurnia and you're like, look at the runes. This is a spell that Corypheus was practicing on your former master to learn how to bind you. And Calpurnia reads it and she's basically like, oh my god that's actually like if you did this that's what would happen this would work like she she can't believe it she's like i've been played and it's at this point you can either be like yeah now you're gonna die for it <laughs> or mm-hmm. or you can be like look you can fix Tevinter. you can walk free of this if you want to and and you can you can even encourage her to be like she, she'll be like if Corypheus isn't the savior that i thought he was who can be and and you can be like you you are the right person to lead this you've lived a tough life into Venter, and you know what it would mean to fix that and what you would have to do um and cassandra actually gets mad at you a little bit she's like i can't believe you're going to just let her walk away uh but then she like turns to calpurnia is like look you better cherish the fact that the inquisitor is showing mercy on you hmm. um 
and you can just let Calpurnia walk. And she's like, look, uh, I've got to go confront my master about this. I've, or, and by that, I think she means Corypheus. And uh, she's like, uh, if, if I am still in one piece, if I'm still alive, then I will return to Tevinter and try to make it better. Uh, hmm. and, and she doesn't really apologize for what she's done, right. but she is like, I'm not going to get played. I want to make this all better. Um, right. And and she, and <laughs> she has a really good line where she's like, thank you for doing this. Don't follow me. <laughs> and just like walks <laughs> out. And I was like, damn, that was interesting. That was a cool interaction. I mean, it wasn't just that I got to skip a boss fight or whatever, but it was a genuinely interesting way to deal with that and to see how a character's motivations can mean so much and and can drive the story so much so i i like this section of the game more having calpurnia here and having that here so all that is to say that god samson is just a waste yeah now that i'm looking at though i think calpurnia actually you can't she'll commit suicide rather than face defeat at your hand so i don't think you could take her for judgment i thought you could judge her huh Hmm. maybe i'm maybe i'm thinking of a different character um yeah uh i i thought that was interesting and also like i almost want to play that section with dorian now just to see what his responses would be and how he would respond to it um being from Tevinter as well but once we have surmounted our challenge in whatever way we see fit uh we walk up to the well of sorrows and we we find once again it, it's important to note that back when we encountered Ablos, uh, Ablos is basically like, look, well, uh, I can't let anyone have this well. So if somebody's going to get there, uh, I'm just going to destroy it. <laughs> and he takes mm-hmm. off, and Morgan's like, no, and turns into a hawk and flies after him. Uh, so you have not had Morgan no matter what up to this point. Uh, and so this is where you find them both again they're having a confrontation in front of the well of sorrows and uh Oblos is like look this is what the well of sorrows is when our he's like when when our people when when our elven uh are, are near death they basically walk into the well and bestow it with all their knowledge all the all the things they've learned from over the years so it's a giant thing of just infinite knowledge essentially like mm-hmm. just so much knowledge of the old world the old magics like a lot of things that morgan traditionally is like i mean the reason she wanted to keep the old soul from the the archdemon in dragon age origins is because it had some of that magic in it she didn't want to see that destroyed um so that that kind of fits her character uh yeah. although it's we're, we'll also get into in a moment how it fits another aspect of her character but um Oblos is like they they kind of constantly refer to there is a price to be paid mm-hmm. for for this knowledge and as we learn the price is essentially uh whoever drinks of it is bound to the will of Mithal forever uh much as right. the sentinels are they are bound to serving it to serving mythal they have no choice in the matter um so we now have a choice to make because uh, we can either kill obelos or he will walk away 
uh he walked away in my playthrough i don't yeah, know i think you. i think the only time you have to kill him if if uh you're not allied with him ah okay so. um he he walked away and then we got mm-hmm. to decide who's going to drink from that well because yeah. initially it starts out that morgan's like i will drink from it i understand the consequences i will accept all the consequences i want this uh and the inquisitor as you talk to various party members uh arguments are made for why they would not be good candidates to drink from it especially the mages so for me i had vivian and solace here why don't you tell me what's dorian's reason for not wanting to drink from the well uh he generally is like a taventer like taking some of the last elven knowledge like for himself is fucked up and like that is like, wow that's not... a really good reason <laughs> yeah he's just like Damn. after everything like after everything that uh my people have done or like pretend to have done to the elves i'm not gonna be some like doing some weird colonizer bullshit i'm not gonna be the one that is gonna put that on myself shout and, outs to like, greedfall <laughs> yeah shout out shout out to dorian for being the like the most like aw- like aware of the situation yeah, person there dorian yeah. remains top tier Yep. Dorian remains innocent and pure. He is... He's the only one with his head on his shoulders here. Damn. Yeah. Um, The the other ones are not... Like, Vivienne is basically like... So, I really like Solus's, where you're like, Solus, why don't you drink from it? And he's just like, no. And never ask me again. And I was (laughs) like, holy shit. (laughs) That's okay um it reminded me of again ken Ken, you've seen the the lord of the rings trilogy right you've seen at least the fellowship of the ring all three okay for some reason i thought you had not okay that's good that's good finally a pop culture reference that ken will understand um it's it's like when uh it's it's like when gandalf when frodo offers gandalf the ring and he's like no and do not tempt me with it do not Mm -hmm. like this is not for me to carry. You don't mm. want to know what will happen if that happens. So it is better for all of us if I do not. Um, right. And, you know, that's, again, knowing what we know, that's already very interesting. But on top of that, like, ooh, <laughs> that's mm. just from the outset, that's a very interesting response. Um, on top of that, I asked Vivienne and Vivian gave me this really sketchy answer where she's like, well, you have the anchor. It wouldn't hurt you. You should drink from it. And I was like, that's not what I asked Vivian, but okay. Hmm. <laughs> like, that's like, hey, why don't you uh, clean the dishes? Well, you're the one who has really good bath soap. So you, you should clean the dish <laughs> or dish soap. Sorry, I don't clean my dishes with bath soap. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um but yeah it comes down to it that it's basically the inquisitor regardless of what class they are i was not a mage and i could still potentially drink from the well uh or morrigan and ken i chose morrigan i'm guessing you did too yeah i mean my like again it kind of it's it's a weird thing to like can't always be falling back on when it comes to my choices in inquisition but like i am playing a character that is once out of all of this at any mm. any way he can so like one <laughs> i'm not gonna be like taking on elven knowledge because i don't want that and two there is apparently some price to be paid like being under the will of something 
um, that I'm not about. I don't like. I it, I'm playing a character that like wants as few ties to what is happening as possible, just because it is getting in the way of a life that he is trying to have. So mm-hmm. it's not about that. There you go. Yeah, for me it was just like, look, Morgan, you clearly want this. I'm not gonna just stop you because you seem. I mean, you do seem sketchy, but. If something goes bad, then it's not my Inquisitor that's getting messed up over it. <laughs> yeah, I... Like, if I had been playing as an elf character, I think I might have felt more inclined to it. Because, I, I mean, from a fundamental standpoint, my character would have just been different in the way that they viewed the world. But also, like, that feels like knowledge that should go to an elf, in it's, theory. It's very interesting, and I feel this gets into something that becomes a plot point as as this game comes to a head. But the idea that, hey, these specifically like the the current race of elves, and like I, I think we talked about this in regards to Sarah and Solus as well. Like they represent kind of two eras of these characters or, or this this race. I mean, where mm-hmm. you have Sarah who represents modern elves who are living in cities. They're not really attached to nature. They're not practicing dalish ways or even the dalish as we've learned over time through characters like meryl are not as connected to the old ways as they once were and even the things they think they understand about the old ways may not be fully true um and 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 with solace like solace does kind of judge you a little bit for it. i don't know if it's different if you're romancing but there is a bit of like just because you are a dalish elf does not mean you understand what you're about to engage with like this is ancient elven stuff Mm. and it's it's an aspect that should maybe be reclaimed but there's also i think enough reason for you to like headcanon it that maybe it would be better for morgan to take that on um i do agree that if, if i was playing an elven mage i would probably be thinking differently about it but like the fact that i'm not a magical character whatsoever like i'm a dalish hunter um kind of played into that as well uh not that the well necessarily grants like bestows magical power but it is magic adjacent so Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and and also if you have the arcane knowledge uh perk here you gain like an additional thing that's like hey um it contains not just knowledge from the temple's previous people but also like their will like like mm. their desires and wants and so that that could cause problems down the road <laughs> right. uh but once we choose whoever it is corypheus shows up and does the funniest damn thing i've ever seen a villain in a video game do which is he just <laughs> kind of superman flies at you like up to this point we've kind of generally understood that Corypheus is a mage and can do mage things but dude he just supermans at you and I was like (laughs) wait how long has he been able to do this (laughs) like he can fly I guess like he's kind of propelling himself like is he an airbender is that what's happening like is he just coasting on the winds like it was it's strange I don't know Ken but we run through the alluvian and (laughs) um there's like a did you have this thing of like a guardian or something came up from the well to mm-hmm. try and stop corypheus i didn't know what that was supposed to imply i if anything, thought but... it was supposed to imply Mithal in a way I... yeah 
Like I like the the awakening of I don't know. Yeah, I was I was curious about what that meant because I was like, oh, that's a thing. What what was happening there? We're just gonna walk right by that, huh? Um, yeah, like now I'm thinking about they never explicitly say what it was, but I think the implication based on who we're about to see is that it's supposed to be Methal in some yeah. form. Of, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, anyways, we, we run through the Alluvian and then come out the Alluvian on the other side in Skyhold. Uh, presumably we send like a letter to the rest of the Inquisition, just let them know we're good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't really have cell phones or anything, so... Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a raven's flight will let them know, hey, everything's all right. Because uh, as we later learn, like once we are out of there, Corypheus hops on his dragon, hops on his dragon and just like Superman's out of there. But uh, it's it was like, oh, yeah, you know, we were kicking their butts so much in the fight outside that Corypheus and his dragon didn't even do much damage. And we, you know, we whomped them and all that. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm glad that you guys just like left you know you noticed that i was no longer there and just came back to skyhold hoping i would be here like i don't know what the situation there is but geez colon (laughs) (laughs) at least wait Mm. for the raven to arrive god um (laughs) and that's when morgan approaches us is like hey we need to think about how we're gonna deal with that dragon uh because she's like i've got the voices of the well are speaking within me and they're telling me that we got to deal with that dragon because we kill that dragon we can probably kill corypheus and they can have like the snarky hawk reply of oh kill a dragon why didn't i think of that (laughs) Mm. yeah um but that leads us into the final piece before we get to that oh ken there there are three (laughs) post-mission conversations i think we need to talk about oh i only did I did one post-mission conversation. I talked to Josephine well, who, on my way out. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay, then I will walk us through Solus, Sarah, All right, and Dorian. There, you walk us through it then. All right, so the, we'll start with, in terms of... We'll, we'll go in descending order, or no, ascending order of how much I gave a shit. All right, okay. so S- Sarah was the weirdest one because we learned this great tragedy of the elven people in this mm-hmm. thing, and because Sarah has her feelings on elven culture the way that she does, she's, like, gloating about the fact that, mm. like, everyone, that, like, you know, the elven society as it, as it was back then, like, fell apart seemingly through internal strife, and uh, she kind of, like, it gets on her high horse about, like, oh, these people that thought that they were just better than everybody else are, see, they're just as stupid as the rest of us, and they uh, were the ones that brought them, like, brought doom upon themselves, and so I don't know how that would... I, I assume that there's, like, a another layer to that if you're playing an elf character, but all I really got to do was be, like... the In the conversation of, like... It basically, like, talking about whether or not all the elven gods and that sort of, like... The, the ideas that in, of ancient elven culture, like, whether they were all bullshit or something, like, whether, whether those gods were real. And my, my answer is obviously, like, I kind of think it's all bullshit. Like, it's all kind of people interpreting things in ways that makes them feel comfortable about shit yeah and i mean and i guess we'll come to know in like two weeks that that is sort of the case or just more like a like elven culture is like game of telephone that this universe has gone through where like the the truth was basically like distorted as time went on we we basically get hints of that while we're talking to morgan 
and and ostensibly soulless um in the temple of mythal where morgan kind of poses this idea if you're talking to them to to her in like the optional dialogues that you can start where she's like it's totally possible that the elven gods were just elves that they weren't really gods i mean she brings that idea up with corypheus as well where she's like corypheus may not become a god but does that really matter when what he becomes can still be powerful and terrifying like right it's i i find her perspective on that really interesting because it's this idea of yeah so gods may not exist but that doesn't mean that corypheus can't still become super powerful like it doesn't right. need to be a god just needs to be stronger than everybody else on the planet yep. and what's the difference <laughs> yeah um so yeah i imagine that there's like a more kind of like nuanced take to that if you're playing an elf but that was just like as much as it really the, with the tools that it gave me I'll, to have that conversation I'll, I'll, that was stop by, I'll stop by sarah's place and, and solace's place and and see if i get yeah. anything different as an elf character yeah, yeah. solace was kind of it, it kind of took me off guard for a second because he immediately like comes like well what what are you going to do with the power of the well as if i drank like no 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 that is not for you to ask me that is for you to ask morgan who is right over there if you really want to talk to her so, mm-hmm. but, so i was just kind of like i haven't thought that far ahead yet because i'm in the middle of trying to stop periphery and i also don't give a fuck so then he like immediately was like you know souls of the proof like well you should be thinking about it. i was like i don't have any say in what morgan does so i don't know why you're on my back about it Mm. Um, and, and again, I imagine that there are more there are more permutations to that conversation if you're playing an elf. Um, the one conversation though that remains like one of my like favorite least favorite moments of Dragon Age, just in terms of like the choice that it gives me, is that last conversation with Dorian because that is the one where it really starts to set Dorian on a path that seems to be something that they're like really building to- like in a, in a series that doesn't build towards anything like it seems like they're seriously building towards this character being like a revolutionary and mentor mm-hmm. in a way that is going to play in probably in dragon age 4 it plays out or it's like teased in comics and uh books um he talks about like what happened at the temple like what they learned about the like the truth of Tevinter um makes him realize he has to go back he has to be a force for change in his homeland um so like you get the chance to kind of like you know be supportive like oh yeah that's definitely what you should do but if you're romancing him the conversation takes a very different tone because he's basically saying i'm going to leave when this is over so the first thing the first thing you can do is be like so is is this it for us then he's like uh no this this is not gonna be the end for us like it doesn't make me it, it certainly doesn't make me happy to think about leaving you but I, I've been watching you make sweeping changes to the world as we've been here as, as part of the Inquisition and I can't sit back and do any less. I can't... You know, all, all the complaining that I do about everything that's wrong in Tevinter, if I am not making active steps to change it, I don't have a place to complain. Hmm. So, you also get an option to be like, well, I can go with you, like, and... That like you know that's something we could do together, but then he's like, I can't pull you away from something like from the Inquisition where you have like a responsibility. That's not, it's not fair to you. It's not fair <laughs> to the people here. And I'm like, are you like, I was like, I feel like you're lecturing me, 
as a person that's trying to get out of this by any means necessary, like, constantly, like, looking for a way out, and I'm like... Ken's over here like, I cannot stress this enough. I am trying to shirk yeah. my duties. <laughs> exactly. And so, I'm... So then you finally get the choice where you're like, you can be like, but I need you to stay, or, like, I, I will support you to go. And at this point, because of who my Inquisitor is, I'm like, I need you here with me, though. I can't just, like... Like, I, I need you by my side. I can't do this alone without you. And then he says, like, he says something like, well, emotional blackmail is, like, perfectly fine thing to pull out of your I was like, I didn't mean, to, like, I was just trying to, like, communicate how I felt. And then he's like, I'm, I'm kidding. I will think closely on what you're saying. Um, and then he just, just says, you know, uh, this is your fault, though. Like, you've inspired me by being this force for change here. Hmm. Um, and then they kind of leave it on that note until the very end of the game so interesting it's always been like a really rough really rough choice for me because like i like i'm I'm fully aware that is that is selfish i am fully aware that that like in the grand scheme of things isn't going to change anything because dragon age is dragon age and um like i i'm always aware that 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 is like a very loaded thing to ask when like there's a person that's like i don't want to abandon an entire country that is like i see this potential for greatness in mm-hmm. and I'm like but what about me like but what about us like what about us like getting away from all of this like grand adventuring that we have to do to like have a fucking life away from it um it also raises the question of why do they feel the need that Tevinter needs to be the one that is saved like why is Tevinter specifically important to Dorian and right. all that um I mean that yeah. I would hope they would address because I think that's classically one of bioware's faults is that they write characters to be representatives of factions and in in this specific case like i'm listening to this and i'm like why does dorian give this much a shit about tevinter like you know previously maybe he'd be like i can make it better i can fix things but now he's suddenly like i will leave the love of my life forever to go change tevinter and i'm like where did this passion come from (laughs) yeah i mean like he has he's had points like where he kind of talked about like despite everything he still has like a love for his country and maybe it's like one of the only people that has like been through like has been like tell and back in like the worst parts of that culture um and doesn't want that to be the case for everybody that wants to like see that change um and i think like when you have a character like i mean when you, when you're playing a character that is as selfish as my whether that wants out of all of this like having that sort of uh that contrast is like an interesting dynamic to have and i think it's gonna like really come to a head in trespasser um Mm -hmm. but it feels very earned and like when you look at his his story as a whole um even if i'm over here like trying to poke holes in it and like trying to be like no you like please stay with me i i i I need you here with me but um yeah we'll get into the fallout of that next week and then again next week again the week after yeah um josie didn't have much to say it was mostly just romantic lines um you know like be safe out there and all that that was wild um so we go we need to talk to morgan now this is the part where it does i'm going to tell you what happens if there is no kieran okay okay if you if, if the ritual was not completed during dragon age origins according to the dragon age fandom wiki thank y'all as always um if morgan drinks from the well of sorrows 
uh she informs the inquisitor that they've got a way to to match the red lyrium dragon and you go to the altar of methal uh to do a summoning ritual and uh morgan summons methal who is a character we're about to talk about and basically uh is like passes power onto morgan and is like you will be able to match the red lyrian dragon now and that's it um if the inquisitor if the inquisitor is the one who drinks then uh you kind of like follow some voices like you follow the voices of the well Mm. to the altar and then morgan shows up and um the guardian of methal appears and and alongside the character that we're about to talk about the guardian methal is a giant dragon and Mm. here you have a boss fight where you fight the dragon down to half health and then once you have done so you will tame it and you will be able to set that dragon against the um mm. against the red lyrian dragon or first pokemon battle kind of yeah uh i don't think either one of those are as interesting as what we have if we did do the ritual and yeah. especially if we have done all the things we've done up to this point which includes the witch hunt dlc which includes the um uh doing the side quest that helps morgan uh detached from flemeth uh ken this is in some ways both the best and most frustrating part of this game for me <laughs> uh, that's so that's fair so that's we're gonna fair. work our way through this um kieran runs off we 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 go to where the alluvian is where we were supposed to meet morgan and leliana is standing there and she's like morgan just ran into the alluvian uh because kieran somehow activated it and ran through and you need to go help them i'm going to go get back up um which by the way this is i guess we haven't talked about it much but we do get some lines about liliana and morgan and their like shared history from origins but it was kind of interesting to see liliana here just be like oh yeah i guess you know liliana and morgan like they do kind of know each other and stuff like that and like morgan has some interesting lines about that but that's it's like yeah just kind of toss like like it's like hot yeah, lines it's, yeah it, it, it's kind of just this one because like i would have liked to maybe because like i mean if you do old or like some of the missions we've done like in different orders and there is a scenario where alistair and morgan are both a skyhold at the same time they have like real conversations like you know mm-hmm. really kind of like fleshing out where everyone in that game has been um because like alistair can ask about the warden if he and morgan or are, are, are together or like if kieran is alistair's son like alistair mm-hmm. can be like I, I don't think he, i don't think kieran ever realizes that or is like told it outright mm-hmm. like you know there are actual like conversations where they are both there at skyhold like reckoning with the fact that they have known each other for a decade and have not seen each other in all that time where i'd never feel like oh that happened God, Liliana, unless i have I, i'm getting second hand like just cringing right now thinking about alistair like having that one night weird stand right before the arch demon battle like a decade prior and now years later suddenly being like oh hey here's that that witch of the woods who creeped mm. me out that i spent one night with and here's the sun <laughs> and like yeah oh god i just alistair man just going through a lot of emotions in that <laughs> moment 
But yeah, I, I never felt like we got that with Liliana beyond like kind of them Ugh. referencing each other like rather than having conversations. So yeah, oh god, I can't get that thought out of my head. That's just the weirdest. I mean, it's weird enough that I got to think about how Logan is a potential like romantic mm. interest in this situation, so Logan could do the same, and Logan creeps me out. So that's like, ugh, yeah, man much to think about (laughs) (laughs) um yeah anyways anyways we run off into the alluvian and surprise we're not at the crossroads we're in the fade uh Mm. which is not great uh, because we we catch up with morrigan in the fade and she's freaking out because she's like I mean, this is kind of the revelation that we're like, yes, the Luvian could also open into the Fade. Like, that. Yeah. obviously that's what Corypheus could have wanted, but that's kind of the power of the Alluvian is that you could also just enter the Fade as a person, which, as we've already been told, is not a good thing. That's how yeah. the uh, the Darkspawn Blight started and all that. So um, that's maybe not a great idea. And... Uh, as as morgan reminds us the fade is also potentially infinite like it is right. massive and it's essentially a dream world and kieran being lost in it that's like how do you ever think you're going to and and, and like morgan is having a breakdown at this point yeah like she is actually crying <laughs> at this point right. and she's like please just let let me look a little longer uh, and that that was the first like barb that emotional barb that hit me is the way she phrases it where she's like just let me look a little longer it's like you can hear almost like this mix of agony and sorrow and desperation and also resignation mm-hmm. in the same line and uh yeah shout outs to morgan's voice actress very very yeah. well done um as we as we get further in we do find kieran standing next to flemeth oh it's flemeth flemeth is back like in like okay this scene and the rest of it's gonna go like a whole bunch of different ways we'll talk about but like that moment of like walking up on flemeth and like kieran and just like immediately like without words it all clicking in your head just like it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it is a moment of this game it's great i mean like look again i think we've said this before multiple times but like the stuff they do with morgan and and her plot line and the way also again like hey we've talked a lot about how dragon age does not carry its plot threads very well all the time this is so many plot threads coming together all at once in a way that i think at least from the outset feels incredibly rewarding like I'm, i'm standing here and i'm like oh I have, like, I, the player, have moved all these pieces into mm-hmm. place. Like, I, right. I, you know, had the romance with Morgan or encouraged the ritual to happen. And Kieran is here now because of an action I chose and has the soul mm-hmm. of an old god inside him because of an action that I encouraged. And Flemeth is here and alive because of what I did as Hawk. And, right. like all these things just coming together all at once to just Mm -hmm. be like oh (laughs) that's right we're we're doing this like we're having this moment now Um, and it's a moment where like all all the things go together in your head and you're like 
this is I'm looking at it, maybe the sole constant in this mm. universe, like mm. or at least what appears to be. Yeah. Um. Which is you know. Let let's let's go through. Let's 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 unpack this. Yeah. Okay. We're we're gonna have to really unpack this. This is gonna be a long episode, folks. <laughs> we might talk more about this than we talked about what Pride had brought. Mm. <laughs> so, Kieran heard Flemeth calling to him through the mirror, saying it was time. And Morgan is like, "What are you talking about? What does that even mean?" And she's furious because obviously she hates Flemeth. She's been running from Flemeth, and all this time she's been trying to hide Kieran from Flemeth, and to find out that Flemeth is now aware of Kieran and is calling to him and pulling him into the fade. And as we can see when we walk up to them, like toying with the old god soul that is inside his body, uh, Morgan's furious and so she obviously in both our playthroughs starts powering up with the power of the well of sorrows and flemeth is just like come now you'll just endanger the boy and like flicks her hand and poof goes the magic Mm -hmm. and morgan is just like oh my god you're (laughs) methal and bum 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 like oh this is it's so good because it's like now i feel like we're starting to understand how large of a role the things that we've been doing i mean this is the point where much like in dragon age 2 where i reached a point where i was like maybe anders is the protagonist of dragon age 2 mm. uh i've hit the point where i'm like maybe morgan is the protagonist of dragon age as a whole mm. because um as as we soon learn that there was once flemeth the human and when flemeth the human in the story that we learned in dragon age origins was cast out into the wilderness and, and called for vengeance for the slaying of her husband it was methal who answered and the two essentially fused and became mm. one and kind of, like, kind of an end of the situation much like Anderson in a, in a justice yeah. yeah and um and and she makes this really interesting distinction where you can kind of press her on it and you're like hey what does that even mean like methal is in you and this was again this is really interesting as an elf character because you can be like what do you mean you're methal where have you been our people have been praying to you mm-hmm. for help and uh because methal is believed to be like a helper of the elven right. and, and should have been answering the calls if she was live and she has this really cold answer of you do not know what my help would entail or something like that and i'm like Mm. oh my god (laughs) um but uh yeah she's like methal and i like you could not separate the the heart from the chest and and that is that is what is going on here Mm. um and as we press this further and further uh you know Flemeth makes it clear that because you because Morgan drank of the well of sorrows uh the the way that Morgan had been eluding Flemeth's grasp has now dissipated because Morgan is now subject to the will of Methal who is Flemeth (laughs) and Mm -hmm. she's just like it's the ultimate so this is why I was saying earlier that I like what they were doing with Morgan in the well of sorrows because we, and we talked about this with meryl in dragon age 2 but this idea of this 
character who seeks knowledge and it seems very innocent and very well-intentioned but really it's got an undercurrent of pride beneath it Mm -hmm. and this feeling like they like hubris it is hubris they believe that they are above everyone else that they understand the world better than everyone else and so they deserve the knowledge and they should deserve to learn and they are going to be the most enlightened one in the room and this is a humbling moment for Morgan because she just realizes that she is played right into her mother's hands mm. and she is now powerless to do anything to protect herself, to protect her son. Like everything that she has worked for has just dissipated in a moment uh, mm. because, because she insisted on drinking from the well. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's stunning. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. I, I, and also like on the, so like, something that is something that like really struck me at the, in the moment like you know six years ago and even now in this day is that I had never expected us to really learn what Flemeth was if she wasn't going to be necessarily like a centerpiece of any of the games mm, yeah so like when it came to like kind of like cause it's like she's even you know in Origins of the Two like she's kind of an enigma she's like it's not she, she appears to be doing stuff in the background which I think in the grand theme of things in Inquisition she feels less pronounced in the larger scale of the game, just because, like, she is maybe being used in the way that Dragon Age does, is being used to uh, kind of set pieces up for the next game um, in a very pronounced way that I'm not super chill with that we'll get to next week. Um, but, like, I, I was a fan of, like, the actual, like, reveal, like, what was actually happening, because, like, it's grounded enough in... What, how we know this universe that it never felt like oh they were gonna pull like Flemeth was Andraste or the like was the maker or some like you know, some wild theory that was gonna go like put her so highly elevated over everything that she feels like all like all powerful but she feels grounded in a way that is like mm. comprehensible um cause I think like it, it's even Corypheus like when you have these characters that are, like, trying to be, like, on this, like, higher plane of existence that rails, it is good when you have them grounded in something that is still something you can touch and something that you can have an impact on and maybe fight if need be. Um, so, like, I was hap- I was really happy with, like, sort of the actual ultimate origin story they gave her, uh, even if I never didn't expect to get it in a game that didn't necessarily outwardly involve her from the start. Yeah, this just again like to reiterate what i said earlier this just feels like you know if if we think about dragon age as a series has been largely unable to link its threads together in a way that feels meaningful this is the proof that they can do it like this is it's the proof that they can but choose not to (laughs) fair but um it's it's like they they just made so much connect together and again like the fact that so much of it was were, were choices the player has made like that Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what makes Flemeth slash Mythal compelling for me is that this is something that I have willingly egged along because I like Flemeth as a character. I think she's an interesting character. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, when she shows up, when she has interesting scenes. I, I like the story of her and Morgan. And so I was always kind of, I talked in another episode about it, like that Bioware compulsion to see things through and do all the the missions and and Mm. find the outcomes that seem best and the outcomes that you get from that lead to this moment where borrigan is now completely helpless and at 
the you know at the mercy of this person that wants to inhabit her body and and use her yeah. for eternal life like that's it's a good antagonist and and mm-hmm. like it's the difference for me between something like samson or even corypheus honestly like those are villains and they're kind of stood up to be like these characters that are just forces of evil that you need to fight with but flemeth is an antagonist that i can relate to or understand in some way like i i maybe don't I, I maybe relates not the right word, but like empathize. Like I understand mm-hmm. where she's coming from and I understand her goals. And I think she's an interesting character to have around. And yeah. so I hit the point where I'm like, yeah, I care a lot about Morgan. I also like Flemeth. Flemeth is cool. Like yeah. I've spent multiple games keeping her alive. <laughs> so right. um, now this is all coming to a head and this is my fault. Yeah. Cause I wibble wobbled on it. So yeah. um, it's, 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 it's so a, good i so and yeah i like i it's so good but the fact that we know i know where this is going it makes me yes. like yeah mm. so eventually what we are given is an ultimatum or morgan rather is given an ultimatum again i think this is an interesting thing because the one the one quibble i've had up to this point which is actually a pretty big one uh, is why is my inquisitor here for this <laughs> um, right every time there's they're like here this... so we can be here and like yes. see it happen. Yeah. yeah it's um i mean you've been playing assassin's creed so you understand now the idea of the player character needs to be in the room so that you the player can see the event happening and that has made me like so aware of when video games do that now when they're like well Mm -hmm. really this doesn't involve you but the player would want to see this event happen so we're going to find a way for the character to be in the room while it's happening (laughs) um not to say that the morgan that morgan and the inquisitor haven't developed a relationship up to this point i think there is totally a reason if you've been talking to her in dialogues and if you let her drink from the well of sorrows and if you've talked to the temple and the and all that there's reason to believe that you've developed some level of a relationship with this character Mm -hmm but uh it's also a a strange moment where i'm just like they're having this argument and then it pans over to my inquisitor and they're just standing menacingly to the left and they're like why i can't believe you're doing this what do we do morgan (laughs) (laughs) like the total watson to the homes of the situation like golly golly gee what do we do now batman (laughs) (laughs) um I just mixed references there. I'm sorry. Um, so we get an ultimatum that's basically Morgan can give up Kieran and be free of Flemeth forever. With the implication that Kieran will become Flemeth's new vessel. Um, or at least will in some way fuel Flemeth's future motivations, future plans. And obviously this would include the old god soul that is in him uh and also like kieran as we have come to learn is morgan cares a lot for kieran like this Mm. this motherly this maternal side of her has opened up and she cares and if we choose not to do that flemeth says she will return kieran she will not pursue kieran but in exchange she will never stop pursuing morrigan and we know that this is kind of 
rough because it would mean that Morgan would just be on the run forever because now she doesn't have a good way of hiding from Flemeth. Right. Um, and then Morgan has, I think, what is one of her best moments where she's just utterly at rope's end and is just like, look, you can do whatever you want with me, but you will not take my son. I don't care what happens to me just spare kieran and for a character that has been prideful that has been selfish that has been self-obsessed that has always looked out for themselves you think back to dragon age origins when they were like yep i was partying along with you because i wanted to get that old god soul and i'm gonna take off the second this battle is over and you're never gonna see me again and like the warden had to chase her across the like ends of the Mm. earth to reunite with her and and even then that was only just enough to spend time with her and this character who wanted the well and wanted knowledge and wants everything for herself to just say like okay i this is what my son is worth to me it's it's worth my life like Mm. is worth everything that i am for kieran to live and to live free of you uh damn (laughs) like right in the heart (laughs) and um flemeth uh flemeth has a moment where she's like okay and and she takes the old god soul from kieran and then lets him go and says like i was never actually going to possess you she says something about like you can't possess an unwilling host which is weird because Morgan is kind of like offering herself as a host at this point, but I guess that implies that her heart would still not want to be taken over by Flemeth in some way. I, I um, think I just, I, I read that line as more like she was saying, you like you were never in danger of me possessing you like all those years ago. Like that was never something that was on the cards for like, mm-hmm. you know, like you didn't have to run away for fear of that. Yeah. So, um, And then she also says like, listen you know if she has drank from the well she tells morgan listen to those voices that are inside you now they will teach you possibly better than i ever did and walks away and morgan is even like don't like for the first time we see a time when morgan doesn't want her mother to leave and flemeth just kind of smiles and walks away and like it's such a moment of growth for all these characters where Mm -hmm. we have seen how they have changed, how the effects of these games have changed them. And like, we've learned like Morgan is a new person. Now she's a new character now, and she is such a complex and interesting character now. And it's just, it's so damn good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like this is like, after playing this again, this might be my favorite scene in this game. It is such mm. an interesting culmination of more. And, and granted, like that's because I'm a huge Morgan fan. I like her character arc a lot. I think she's an interesting character. And I think this is a story arc that has been built up to and earned, which is not something like across multiple games that we, yeah. that's not something we really get in Dragon Age all the time. So, right. Um, and uh, they're about to flush it down the toilet. Yes, we're we're about to get to the part of the game where that changes rapidly. <laughs> yes. Um yeah. 
is any any thoughts on it ken do we just want to leave it there <laughs> i think that's a good place to do it the um <laughs> the the one the one thing that like or the additional thing that we didn't really touch on that was like a really like my heart kind of dropped moment was after the the soul is taken from Kieran he tells his he tells Morgan that he feels lonely now and I'm like yeah yeah ah uh, like because so all the stuff about Morgan and Plymouth aside this is this is kind of the point to talk about Kieran and like the idea of the old god baby as it has been called as as it was called until uh, Inquisition like gave him a name and a face. Um, uh, maybe that actually is worth holding off until next week because like yeah because I don't mm. remember the specifics of that old god soul and what it means and I believe that comes up here at the end um, of the I mean game. it's more that it doesn't and doesn't seem like it's going to so. um, I feel like there is I don't know we'll, we'll discuss it later we'll discuss it next week, but, next week. um I mean, it's worth, I think it is worth mentioning that we do know, know some of the old gods, which all the old gods are, are. Um, I mean, the archdemons are one thing, but I believe that this is the, um, oh, wait, we know, we know the name of this old god. I'm sorry. I forgot that we learned it in, uh, in Dragon Age Origins, uh, yeah. is Urthemiel. Yeah. But, uh, Yeah. All the archdemons so far have been the old gods and have contained the souls of the old gods. Um, so that's interesting. I'm interested to see where, where this goes. It's the Dragon of Beauty. I'm, I'm reading the wiki right now because this is all fascinating to me. Um, so. So. That's the end of that. Next week will be the final episode of Dragon Age Inquisition proper. We will yeah. be closing out the base game, uh, which means like basically just doom upon all the world, which is the really just the fight with Corypheus. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then the our, our last really, I mean, I guess at this point, our only fight with Corypheus. I don't think we've, we didn't mm-hmm. fight him at Haven, did we? No, no. Um... I mean, like, not in any, like... Not, not directly. Way. Yeah, we did right. not get to stab him directly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Our one our one fight yeah. with Corypheus, uh, because then, Morgan heavily implies she's like, he's not going to run and hide. He's he's going to make one last play. That's that's right. who Corypheus is. Yeah. Uh, he's prideful. Like, he's boastful. So Yeah. And I, I feel like we we hinted at the, the, the conversation about Flemeth, and that whole scene was going to get uh, negative, but I feel like we kind of gushed about it, but I feel like a lot of the actual negative part of like well so and i will say like the the negative part coming out of that for me even is not something that we're going we're talking much more detail about at the end of next week's episode when we get to the epilogue section of the game but yeah. not even will, the epilogue more like the like the post credit stinger yes is yeah. like the, yeah uh but i will say that like even during this there's still kind of talk of morgan is like oh he had a destiny i have plans for kieran and flemeth is like well i have a plan and i have you know things that i'm doing too and it still just feels very nebulous and like Mm -hmm. in a moment where so many threads are getting tied together it feels weird to still have this like there are things happening that you don't yet understand and i'm like come on spill the whole spill it all yeah and and it feels very much like a like a witch hunt um 
thing where like Morgan's like, "Oh, I left a gift for you," and like that that we don't know what that is. Like mm-hmm. five years later, like it, it feels like they are making threads that don't actually go anywhere yet. Like it feels like they are writing without actually planning forward, and that is going to get. I feel more apparent next week, like in, and like how I said that. Flemeth was the thing in this series that really kind of opened my eyes to the fact that Dragon Age is just kind of vibing all at all times without any plan as to where it's going. So, like, put a pin in all, like, the ways in which that scene and sort of, like, the actual fallout of it kind of is very emblematic of, I think, Dragon Age's biggest problem in terms of, like, writing stories and, like, continuing threads in a meaningful way. And I mean, like, we've kind of gotten a hint of where this series is going as a whole moving forward because we're getting this idea of, um, you know, the gods were banished away. Now we're starting to see at least one god reappear and another god in the form of the old soul. Um, We're we're getting the idea that these forces are kind of coming back onto the field. They're re-entering the picture. And as banished gods that they might have they might have some issues they want to take up <laughs> with <laughs> with how things happened. And uh, all of that is much better established, I think, in Trespasser. And and mm. I feel like as, as negative as we're about to get in, in next week's episode, um, they do at least kind of try to justify what they're doing and where they're going in Trespasser. So um, I don't know. We're going to have two weeks worth of episodes to talk about it. So we don't need to like go into full yeah. details right now, but um, it's, I'm interested at least to break that down with you and with all of our listeners at Normandy FM, because as always, we are Normandy FM, a Bioware retrospective podcast. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Normandy FM, where you, the listener can go and support us. If you'd like to keep the lights on, help us buy the copies of the games that we need to play because uh, we're coming up on Jade Empire, which will be, oh, our... I gotta buy a copy of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that will be our, next game which will start in the new year um it'll be probably a shorter season ken ken and i have already started discussing some of that but um obviously like i imagine it's gonna be a lot closer to mass effect one in terms Mm. of scope is is kind of what my guess is so that's gonna be a shorter season if you'd like to participate if you'd like to push us towards some goals or if you just want to give us ideas about what we should be playing after that uh we we are currently also discussing that so um that's worth discussing as well if you want to chip into that you can head over to patreon.com slash normdfm as always we have folks who contribute at a certain tier and if they contribute at that tier we shout them out every week so this week that list is kevin kulikowski chris johns alice hawk colin just colin just Zach Mickle, The Wedge of Destiny, and Will Bang, okay? <laughs> Still gets me. <laughs> Thank you all so much for contributing. And if you don't have the cash to contribute right now, we understand it's the holidays. There's a freaking pandemic. 2020 is still happening. Uh, it's all good. Just head over to twitter.com slash show where you can follow all of our updates as well as the terrible Twitter posts that Ken and I do and all the content that we post from our daily work. And, you know, follow us on all those spotify podcast services we're on there too uh next week we'll be doing doom upon all the world the week after is trespasser and then presumably the week after that the holiday week 
uh ken and i will be doing another q a episode we have done one already we are doing another one already listeners have been sending in messages with ideas with questions they want to ask anyone can pitch these in it does not you do not have to be a backer you do not have to be really anything to us you can just send us a message uh either through normdfm at gmail.com or through our twitter account you can find that our i believe our dms are open and we have i think it's currently pinned right now ken uh, uh i can pin it right now or we can pin it right now uh our message that that has that saying that we are doing our q a episode uh we'll be recording that right around after the uh the trespasser episode and you can ask us whatever questions you want about bioware about games about life within reason but (laughs) (laughs) uh you know tables mostly open we just want to do a nice little thing for y'all to listen to we know the holidays are going to be weird i i recently uh so i will be spending the holidays alone because Mm. of this this hell world that we live in my my christmas will be a solitary christmas so if if you are in a similar boat we are here for you we want to give you a podcast to listen to during the holiday times uh we will have that for you and there's so much more on the horizon it's very exciting but ken i'm excited we're two episodes away no this is is it how long do you think the trespasser one's gonna be oh god it's gonna be another three hour podcast isn't it we're just gonna really that game it it's so long i'm almost thinking like we had a discussion at one point i think where i was like maybe we should split this into two episodes but honestly we did for for full disclosure for the folks at home at one point ken and i the first time we ever podcasted at length about a bioware game was a trespasser spoiler cast wait no we did we did a dragon age inquisition spoiler cast together didn't yeah we, we did the, we did the main game that was also with uh, other people but the trespasser one was like that was like <laughs> that that was almost like a a, a vision of the future of yeah what normandy that, FM would be that, like, that was the yeah. blueprint for normandy fm was yeah. that original spoiler cast uh and now many years later we are returning once again to it i'm i'm very excited to do that yeah uh, I, i'm looking forward to just a time when i can sit down and play through trespasser um i know yep. i was i know i was down about dragon age at this point by the way i just the one thing i forgot to mention was that what pride is wrought has like a uh, 40 power level requirement or whatever yeah i forgot about that too i had to grind so many damn fade riffs <laughs> to, to get there um yeah. i spent a solid i mean it was only like an hour but it felt like forever just running around to different fade riffs and closing them to get the power i needed yeah felt like i closed every fade riff that i could have accessed like yeah. in the entire game I mean, that's good to do it's like they don't need all those riffs open i don't know man just you know sometimes you gotta air it out you gotta let the fade breathe you know you mm. gotta let the wind go through or else it's gonna get musty in there you know you gotta let the fade breathe yeah we'll be breathing some fade in uh, next time on uh. normandy f We have watched and waited. <laughs>